so many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Box. Meet people through their music with Ash Bertabez on FBI. What a morning on your radio. It's been broadcast from Cockatoo Island. I think from an air raid shelter, I heard. So that was Alex Pye for the last three hours broadcasting to you live from where Underbelly Arts is going to take place on this Saturday and Sunday. And uh, now... We've got ourselves in the studio. Not as extravagant a venue, I'm afraid, but really great guest, so we're making up for it. So Nick Warnock is a big presence in the Sydney independent music scene. He's physically at Repressed Records, running the show most of the time, and he's also running a label, RIP Society. Plus, he's a member of Bedwetting Bad Boys, who you would have heard on this radio station many times before. Welcome on Out of the Box, Nick. Thanks for having me. So it kind of seems like they're all connected things. You work at Repressed, you run RIP Society, Bedwetting Bad Boys, all part of the same central scene. Does that kind of just, you know, do they feed into each other a little bit? Do you end up selling people Bedwetting Bad Boys records yeah, at Repressed? Uh, all the time. It's in fact one of our greatest selling albums ever. <laughs> Is it because you're upselling it constantly? Uh, no, it's because like it's uh, uh, good and popular. Um, <laughs> No, I, I'm not laughing. I, no, yeah. no, no. Of course. I was being deadly serious. That wasn't a joke. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's because it's all, it is all intertied and the music community I situate myself in has a physical presence at Repressed Records and we are, uh, I, I feel thankful to have Repressed Records to help facilitate the music community that I love um, and, you know, on the on the other hand, Repressed Records benefits a lot from having this kind of community around it. It's, it yes, it's a retail store, and we exist in the realm of capitalism. But <laughs> Shame. I, I definitely think that there is kind of you know this community um, around it that, you know, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it's not it's not necessarily kind of like capitalism on a huge scale anyway. It's well, a little bit more. No, if any, if anyone's been in the store and uh. You know, you'll notice that I don't have uh, any gold bracelets, and neither does the owner Chris. So, <laughs> which we all know t-shirts. that that's we all know that that's the uh, how you measure wealth. How many gold <laughs> bracelets you have? Facts on FBI ninety four point five with Nick Warnock, who has his first song to pick today, and it's from the Stooges. Can you tell us a little bit about the Stooges and why you wanted to bring this track on today? Um, I think, uh, firstly, I think the Stooges are arguably the best rock and roll band of all time um big call yeah uh, and i i wanted to play them because firstly they were really important to me and kind of opened up the doors for everything i consider myself a fan of for example jazz and uh experimental early electronic music and avant-garde music because of the stooges they were the gateway to everything they just blew the doors open and um funhouse in particular is just just wild and like the most just human crazy record and the re another reason i want to talk about them is because i feel the stooges have kind of hit that uh led zeppelin uncut magazine 
Not that there's anything wrong with Led Zeppelin, but that kind of, you know, classic rock status. Mm-hmm. Whereas until the last 10 years, maybe until they reformed, the Stooges were kind of like an ugly sore on the history of rock and roll. <laughs> no one really considered them seminal or interesting. It was kind of this idea, if you were into the Stooges, that was a huge signifier of you being into some type of kind of countercultural music idea. The same can be said for the Velvet Underground. Now they're both just kind of, you know, cool t-shirts yeah, or classics. or kind of pictures you reblog on Tumblr or something. But, you know, they, they were this real signifier. And I think these days we kind of lose that history in a way. They kind of just become, in a, in a way, um, genderified, really. Kind of, you get, you get the music, but I guess you don't get the... Ethos behind it. The ethos it, yeah. behind it, yeah. All right, well, we've got track five on this record, and what is it? What's it called? Uh, uh, 1970 we're playing, which is the year that it, that it came out. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's a bit yeah. of history for you on FBI 94.5. Yeah. This is Out of the Box, and Nick Warnock is my guest.
That's the Stooges with 1970, and you're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio with my guest today, Nick Warnock. My name's Ash Berdebez, and yes, that was the Stooges, and I don't think we've heard anything from them on FBI for a while, but once again, justify why you wanted to bring back this track that was made in 1970. Yeah, um, well, because it's the best, and, <laughs> and they are the best band, and... I don't know. Wouldn't that be exciting if you heard that on the radio? Yeah, especially in 1970. I oh, think. I mean now though. Even <laughs> I think now isn't. I True. just think it's. It, don't you reckon it's more exciting than some like a, uh, like neo R and B ghost singing like Chet Faker thing? I actually, you know what? <laughs> Five seconds ago, before you said Chet Faker, I knew you were going to say Chet yeah, Faker. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we've just got um, ESP. Maybe I don't know. It's just th- things are quite like um. Nothing's really... Is anything really wild and weird? Unless it's, like, really contrived that's semi-popular these days? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, don't I know, think... Is, is, is music that intense now? I don't know. I Not mean, really. on, on Not, a... I mean, if you listen to Ears scale. Have Ears on a, on a oh, Thursday yeah, night, yeah, you'll yeah, find yeah, some yeah. pretty intense or stuff. Like, or, like, probably a bunch of electronic music shows. It's probably as wild. Totally. But, yeah. but I mean, in terms of, like... A rotation on Triple J. You're not yeah, going to find yeah, anything yeah. that's not palatable that you couldn't listen to in the car driving. That's that's but the yeah, idea, you know. It's quite, isn't it? Quite funny though, like how they they can play the big day out. The Stooges can, but, but it's like sometimes I feel like we they can they're okay now, as in they the Stooges can play the big day out now. But it's like things that are maybe I feel the modern equivalent won't be like kind of allowed to exist in the public sphere until 30 years after their totally their, yeah there's, I, I guess a lot that's... of stuff that I'm playing today is stuff that's kind of gotten ha, has a kind of appreciation after its time whereas it, at the time noses were turned up at it I think that's part of the reason that they book them as well it's kind of like a, a mandatory here's a piece of history yeah, band yeah. that you get on you know it's, yeah. it's a thing um, but here's yes Boy and Bear up next after the Stooges <laughs> strange yeah so you run r.i.p society you started r.i.p society and that is a a record label yeah and i guess kind of every record label has a character and you can kind of you know look at the record label and see that you know you wouldn't you wouldn't sign this band to this record label because it doesn't fit in with this essential i don't know personality or character yeah can you talk a little bit about the personality of r.i.p society what do you guys kind of what do you you like if you were you know kids in the playground oh i (laughs) I sometimes think that I, I come across as a as a bit too too snarky, but whereas realistically, I'm trying to be kind of inclusive and create a what I think is a better, more egalitarian kind of um, forum for music, and, and I want to communicate music in a way that I think um, is complementary to the band and the music, as opposed to oh no, we've got to present it this way and do this and that, so that um you know it it can be played here also you can do that so it's kind of like i guess you can see from the 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 logo and the name RIP society it's quite you know intense and uh idealistic um and i guess the name RIP society uh it, it sounds quite negative but i guess it was actually more so this idea of down with the status quo and the pre-existing ideas and outlets to to do things um, let's make our own thing. Yeah. So it's it's kind of something good coming out of being a little bit negative. And what kind of what kind of bands would we find on your label, and how do they kind of fit in with that? Well, I guess 
the label's mostly known for doing what could be considered garage rock. Um, and I think that's just because some of the things that I've had most success, whatever you, however you measure that, um, is through bands that play, you know, three-minute um, guitar-based songs. But I actually, beyond that, there's kind of a, quite a scope of what I've released from, I don't know, like Holly Barmer, pretty much dance music. Yeah, half wayward higher, dance band. Yeah, ha- <laughs> half high, um, uh, pretty much just like, like avant-garde kind of, soundtrack kind of industrial soundscapey kind of stuff um the two forthcoming releases uh ghastly spats and cured pink are kind of this mutant kind of dub post-punk kind of garbage you know ghastly spats what what a compliment yeah yeah. (laughs) mutant garbage yeah i mean i mean (laughs) cured cured pink are a bit more kind of like funky and then on the other side of the coin ghastly spats you know will play like a bin as a percussion instrument so so there's a real uh diversity there and i guess in some of the music i'm playing today i'm trying to in a way show the breadth of i guess what i would call the australian independent music community Mm. that i situate myself within i Um, mean it it kind of feels like you're not in it for the money because i mean a lot of the bands you sign uh basically confined to like the lesser known or the the almost unknown yeah. in the beginning. I, I'm I'm in a lot of things. I've never had anything be a disaster, and everything's found an audience. Um, it's just the way in which it finds an audience. I feel I'm able to communicate almost in this very cultish word of mouth manner. Like I don't think that the internet has really impacted the way in which people um, access the music on R.O.P. Society. I mean, of course, people use the internet to find out about it. But I feel it's a sense, like a form of communication, that has existed in music subcultures, you know, since the the seventies. But how do people how do people communicate then without the internet? Well, the, I, I mean, they do not know. They no, they're using the internet, but the way in which people communicate and become invested in this music in these bands is the exact same way in which they did pre-internet. So. You know, it's it's very much about building a kind of like a community and a kind of network and um, aligning yourself with other things that you think are worthwhile and have some type of curatorial voice. So, you know, um, places that review records I've put out or that stock the records I put out might not have the reach of a million people, but their word of endorsement means a lot. And it seems like that's the type of communication I've had to be able to like not be like dead in a gutter. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad for that. Yeah, let's put on a song about it then. Okay. Cheap trick. We've got a track here, and I uh, do believe it's called something kind of interesting. He's a whore. He's a whore. Okay. This, this song was covered by uh, uh, Mr. Steve Albino in his band Big Black back in the day. So, uh, oh, cool. yeah, if that might give you some uh, countercultural points, people <laughs> seem to like him. All right, awesome. You're listening to FBI 94.5. This is Out of the Box with my guest today, Nick Warnock, who is uh, he's the director of RIP Society and he works at Repressed Records in Newtown.
listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5 with my guest today, Nick Warnock, and that was from Cheap Twi- Cheap Trick. Tweet Twick. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was Cheap Trick with He's a Whore. And can you tell us a bit about why Cheap Trick was on our radio just now? Um, I wanted to play it because there was this whole reassessment of what constituted interesting music for me around the time of starting R.I.P. Society Records. Cheap Trick went in the Uncle Rock pile. I never would have... Uncle Rock. <laughs> yeah, I never even would have thought to have listened to it because it didn't have, you know, you know, those kind of countercultural values of a Stooges or Throbbing Gristle or, I don't know, Ornette Coleman or the Sex Pistols or... So, you they, know... They weren't dirty enough. They were yeah. uncle-friendly. <laughs> well, I guess it was just they didn't really exist in some type of, um, uh, like, anti mainstream musical dialogue and i guess that's a lot of being a teenager like my, my first don't have enough to say or something yeah well they have a lot to say it's just you know i i just think as a teenager i was immediately drawn to hip-hop public enemy and the wu-tang clan and stuff like that and that really then transferred over into punk really easily as in there was an obvious similar mm. kind of societal outrage and maybe it's a bit of age or just kind of like realizing that uh seeing kind of repeating cycles but eventually it's just kind of yeah reassessing what is actually interesting in music and cheap trick are a really smart um band with uh, really good songs really good lyrics and kind of i think atypical members as in there's two kind of sexy dudes and then two dorky dudes That's a in, cool dynamic. What's 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 the normal dynamic? Is it like all sexy, four sexy dudes? dudes, or for for for? I mean, unfortunately, they're all dudes. Just like so bad boys, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> typical uh, hunk rock band. So, yeah. You know, I I mean, I just think as far maybe if you look below the surface, there's just some kind of value in these things that were once I once thought weren't really in my interest or I denounced. I I would say the same for like. 
techno or something, you know. What's, yeah. What's freedom rock? Oh, fr- freedom rock. I I guess that was uh the genre that we called R- Ruined Fortune jokingly, which is a band I've played in with uh, Angie from Circle Pit and Straight awesome. Arrows and stuff. Yeah. But um, and we put a record out for Hozak, recorded by Andrew from Cured Pink, uh, who you're about to hear from. But uh, it was just kind of this idea of um. I mean, loving rock and roll and that kind of idea, but more as kind of an an ethos and a feeling as opposed to uh, aligning with some type of guitar shop uh, mentality of proficiency or that kind of, you know, blokes that can play guitar really well and, you know, have to wear the tight pants and kind of like not taking yourself too seriously. Embracing amateurism. Yeah, embracing amateurism and... um, and other musical ideas and I guess, yeah, rock and roll being about kind of like personal and musical liberation as mm-hmm. opposed to Putting some kind of... Putting your to being good. <laughs> yeah, or, or some type of just strict idea of, um, you know... The, I really hate kind of rock purists and that kind of, uh, I don't know, like Ryan Adams kind of like as, inserting himself into that whole like lineage of classic rock you know and like bob dylan you know and the rolling stones like i like those bands but it just seems so humorless and so like trite that kind of i you know those ideas of what a profound song is it's just so boring yeah so not not real enough not not real enough, enough no well no and just too too serious and mm. almost like uh it makes like the you know modern life feel invalid it feels really like romantic and i don't know almost like the old testament or something <laughs> great so you you run rip society we've mentioned and i guess you work with bands that you know eventually get reviewed what when people get reviewed when their music gets reviewed do you often find people just completely missing the point or misconstruing it uh yeah yeah i i find it really hard engaging with the media and press um, and I think it's probably the worst time ever uh, t- to have your music written about. In this decade? Yeah, in this decade, yeah. definitely. I'm, I feel there was some utopia uh, of independent online publications a few years ago, but really I think a bunch of it has been co-opted and uh, content is just pushed out and media practices such as exclusives and premieres uh, are just really detrimental to the idea of actually writing and being considerate about music, um, I, it's just everything's becoming clickbait. Um, so it's kind of like going to Coles and getting things that are on special rather than actually yeah, getting the yeah. thing you wanted. Yeah, yeah. or just, uh, I don't know, paying a lot of money to get the first mango of the season or something yeah. when all the other mangoes <laughs> taste just as good. Um, that's that's a actual thing that happens in life, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, But I, I just mean it's just... The dialogue around music is... Uh, pretty bad now i think and i don't want to sound like a, a like an old an old um fogey or something but i just don't i think the problem is is that there's all these kind of uh online um analysts and financial people that are justifying uh what content can be put onto kind of you know music websites and media websites yeah so does this have legs yeah will this will this get the clicks you know so Mm -hmm. we can go to our advertisers and say yeah this is going to generate these clicks so we're going to publish that Gautier story but we can't write about this new new thing because no one's going to click on it so i think basically 
these avenues that were interesting because they were covering new music or things that they that no one else was covering um in a way having the soul sucked out of them mm. due to this new uh wild world of uh digital An analytics algorithms. or something yeah. yeah so it's quite annoying I, I had someone positively say some stuff about the record label last week like they were being positive on you know another another monetized blog um but the way that they had interpreted what the label does was the single most offensive thing that I'd ever read Ooh, about dear. my about my label. I'd love to kind of get the idea of, of what it was that offended you. Well, it was just kind of this idea of... um, the, And I, I shouldn't have been so upset, and I, I feel grateful that I didn't go on some internet tirade beyond maybe my own uh, personal Facebook page. But... um. I didn't make an official label statement about yeah, it. Yeah, like no knockoff drinks tonight. I don't want to rage on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it was. It was kind of just they. They just interpreted the label as, you know, a good time garage rock kind of a. They really know how to throw a party. Yeah, and that was fun, sweaty times. Yeah, and that was just like I, the the last thing that I ever want to be associated with is, you know, that kind of a one dimensional good time unthinking yeah kind of like you know june rat style music like yeah. it's it's like yes for example royal headache are the big, biggest success i've had and obviously there's there are enjoyable like joyous band but there's also way more depth to it than that like yeah. they're a, a sad band if anything mm-hmm. actually we'll talk a little bit more about royal headache after this track we've got something from cured pink up now what's this called uh this is called uh, i'm swimming Nice. This is Nick Warnock on Out of the Box today. My name's Ash Bertabez and you're listening to FBI 94.5. Here's Cured Pink.
Cured Pink on FBI, 94.5. My guest on Out of the Box today, Nick Warnock, brought that one on. And uh, why'd you bring that one on? Uh, because as a representative of a record label, I need to try and play the music that I'm going to attempt <laughs> to release next week. All right. Yeah, so they've got an LP coming out uh, next week, and it's called Cured Pink as a four-piece band. <laughs> Is that different to how they normally are? Uh, yeah, I guess it started as Andrew McClellan's solo project, who grew up in Cairns, the same place that I'm from. Um, and that was initially him fooling around with early computer music in this strange kind of guy that was, was into punk and stuff like Public Image Limited. But on the other side of the coin, his parents were ravers. And well, his mum was really into, you know, like the Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers and stuff. So he was kind of like trying to meld those two worlds and then his uh, rave parents with his rock roots or whatever yeah 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 but but then it kind of evolved into so many different things even kind of instrument building you know in indonesia and stuff and eventually he decided he wanted to make it a band and now for the last three or four years um they've been deconstructing or re-deconstructing rock music as they're a standard rock format band with a trumpet and uh yeah so yeah it's been a long musical journey and i just think they're like a really uh incredible smart kind of like i don't know every everyone plays so interestingly in that band and makes you rethink how you play a bass or a guitar nice and we were talking about royal headache a moment ago just before you heard from cured pink so you were saying that they were a sad band. We'll get to that in a second because yeah. I don't really understand what makes them a sad band. But could I just ask you a little bit more first? Because there's a lot of we would have all heard. Well, that every, there was every a... band's a sad band. I don't know if you've ever been in a band, but they're all, it's all, it's pretty sad being in a band. Always tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's life. Yeah. Band life. Life is sad, everyone. Yes. So, um, my I was at my nana's house and something came on the news about a gig at the Sydney Opera House and she was outraged that someone was trying to destroy the Sydney Opera House because Royal Headache was having a, a really hectic time on stage with all of their fans dancing around. Now, this is clearly not, you know, like, as dramatic as the news makes it sound, but oh, you yeah. would have been there, right, when that was going on? Oh, no, on. I, I didn't go to that show. <laughs> you didn't? No, no, just kidding, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a bit dramatic. Uh, maybe it's far enough away from the actual festival that... I can talk about it because that was the idea should, that yeah. I, I was like, ah, oh, I'll let Vivid handle this one. We actually had like seven news uh, turn up to the shop the next day to try and get the, an exclusive on it and all these media people trying to ring the store about this apparent brawl that happened at the Opera House. Mm-hmm. But really all that it was was a couple of people jumping on stage, dancing around. Uh, security, a couple dozen maybe. A couple of dozen. Security <laughs> attempting to usher them off. And it was working, but uh, the police monitored the radio and got a report of a brawl. So they basically stormed the opera house in their fluoro vests and made everyone feel like a child and made the situation ten times worse. Sit down and listen to the punk music. Yeah, well, it was... What would have happened is Royal Headache would have played a slow song, everyone would have felt like an idiot for being on stage, and crisis averted. You, you know <laughs> that's, that's good damage control that's what would have happened but instead mm-hmm. the police came so it became really like oh us versus the establishment whereas yeah. um realistically vivid were incredibly just like lovely in every way to deal with and open to doing what we wanted to do um and uh 
yeah were in- incredible to work with so and made a real effort to you know took a real chance on putting some pretty strange um contemporary music with very little presence other than royal headache on the opera house main stage i'd love to know what the offending song was by offending i mean awesome song but um the one that got everyone up on stage i can't remember and it could have been any <laughs> song it was just kind of like a tension someone had to do it yeah, it was, it was kinda, gonna happen. I, I remember getting the event on Facebook, and it was just kind of like oh, sit, sitting down and royal yeah, headache. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Well, the thing, the thing that, uh, and I guess I should, you know, not get as upset about stuff like this, but it was never royal headache were announced first, uh, but it was never really supposed to be a royal headache concert. It was supposed to be a reflection of, you know, an interesting cross section of. Um, independent music and what this what repressed records does mm-hmm. um but um, of course just the way marketing goes the big band gets all the attention i feel and the rest of the lineup was maybe more appropriate for the opera house kind of like joan sutherland theater like mm-hmm. there was a, a rationale behind the rest of them and then kind of like royal headache with the icing on the cake if it was Royal Headache were great, but I reckon if there was three other garage bands on, it would have been like, this is a stupid show. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So you were saying before that Royal Headache is a sad band. Yeah. But is it sad in the way that all bands are sad or a different kind? No, it's a, di- Can it's you tell a me different a bit about type, the story? type of sad. Oh, well, I, don't, I don't mean as in um, each individual is a like, depressive person. They're quite excitable, joyous people a lot mm. of the time. Um like, they're mean? like everyone. I just mean underneath this kind of idea of good time garage rock, there's real life kind of like pain and um, difficult situations and, you know, happy situations. But it, I, I feel they're a heavy band emotionally. What are, you, what are you taking this from? I mean, I guess is it up they're to songs. you to talk about like the, the content of the songs then? Uh, I, the well, this is how them. I interpret them and think the, the band would be happy with them being interpreted as there is a lot of like heaviness in life in Royal Headache, particularly I feel the next album and everything they've done um, since the first album just has this real kind of like, um, you know, lots of life in it and lots to be thought about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's not a genre exercise is basically what I'm saying. They're not garage rock for the sake of garage rock. There's more more to it than that. And we've got a black fa- black flag track to take, and it's called Life of Pain. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. You're listening to Out of the Box and FBI. My guest today is Nick Warnock. He's from RP Society. He's the director of that, and uh, he's from Repressed Records also. <laughs>
there be another outlet? Nobody gets close. Nobody dares. Self-destruct. Self-destruct. I can understand your problems. And I can even figure out the reasons why. But I can't help the way I feel. And I can't accept what I see. And I just can't stand watching you. Self-destruct.
Listen FBI 94.5, and in the background, you can hear a band called, wait for it, Sex Tourists. Yeah. I'm amazed that they're not being put on high rotation on all the commercial radio stations with a name like that. How, how did you come across them? How did you come across Sex Tourists? Uh, a cassette that was dropped into Repressed Records uh, by Ewan, who, who sings in that band and also plays in uh, Aloha Units. He just one day brought in some Aloha Units cassettes and... Uh, sex tourist cassettes and I was like damn this rules do you guys want to play a show so <laughs> on Saturday night uh, sex tourists are playing their first show with Bedwet and Bad Boys at uh, the Vic on the Park Hotel awesome and before you heard from sex tourists it was Sunday Painters yeah Wollongong 1982 nice. uh, reissues uh, coming out on What's Your Rupture Records uh, in a couple of weeks yeah 
All right. And then before that, Black Flag. Black Flag Damage, side two. Best record ever. We've got time for one last song, and I think it's going to be a bit of a favorite of yours. Can oh, you yeah. explain well, what's coming up? Uh, my two current musical obsessions are the Chicago dance music uh, footwork and uh, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, the Grateful Dead, uh, the least punk band of all time. I like to call them the West Coast Velvet Underground. Um, very marginalized because of their weird fan base, but <laughs> man, there's a lot of good stuff. All right, awesome. This has been Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, and Nick Warnock has been my guest today. He's a director of RIP uh, Society. Yeah, regional manager. Regional, of re- repressed regional manager of, of Repressed Records, of course. Yeah. Very technical name for what you do, but yeah. all right, there we go. Morning Dew by Grateful Dead on Out of the Box, FBI. Oh, yeah. 